Three, two, one. Oh my goodness, everybody. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome back to the film room here on 88.9 The Bridge. I am your host, Andrew Pearson, here on the show that aims to make us all smarter and more appreciative football fans. It was Super Bowl weekend last weekend, and uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I am really excited. Uh, it was a pretty good Super Bowl. Uh, gotta say, it was nice. It was, it was solid. It was solid. Not the best Super Bowl I've ever seen, but uh, it was all right. It was all right. Um, I'm gonna start today off by doing a Super Bowl recap. Uh, I don't really have any film analysis, which is I, I know is is the whole point of the show to have um, to have film analyses. And uh, I, I'm sorry. It's just it's too short. It's it was too short of a of a of a week to to actually you know break something down from this Sunday and do it in two days because again I record I record Tuesday mornings uh, every week. Uh, I do not record on um, on let's say a Monday or or a Friday. I record on Mondays. Uh, so or Tuesdays. My my bad. Sorry, my brain. I'm a little tired today, guys. I'm I'm sorry, but uh, let let's get into it. Let's just get straight into it. Let's go into the Super Bowl recap. The San Francisco 49ers lost to the Kansas City Chiefs 20 to 31. It was um it was a good game. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it, it's it's a little unfortunate. The 49ers couldn't really uh. Couldn't keep it all together. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was a little disappointing. Uh, but let, let's go through all the main things that happened uh, throughout the Super Bowl. Now, I'm going to talk about uh, how Shanahan's offense just kind of stopped working after a while. Uh, head coach of the 49ers, Mike Shanahan, his entire offense is based off the outside zone run game. And what that is is um, what like like it's trying to say uh, it's just trying to get the lineman in the way of of all of the defensive linemen. It's pretty much just trying to move people as far as possible while creating lanes and creating cut cutback lanes for the running back. Uh, I, I think that's the simplest way I can put it. And you'll notice that the run game was working. Uh, it was actually working a lot uh, before, you know, uh, the 49ers kind of just fell behind. The whenever I, they had over over 150 yards, I think. Uh, I'm I'm double checking the numbers. I have them on me. Uh, they had 120, 120, 130. They had 130 on the ground, about, um, the 49ers did. And it was very impressive. Every time Debo Samuel got the ball on a reverse, he took it upfield beautifully. And it's really, it's really cool the way, um... The way Mike, or yeah, Mike Shan, wait no, Kyle Shanahan. My bad. Uh, it's it's really impressive the way Kyle Shanahan is able to design those outside zone runs, especially uh, getting getting his ball carriers out in space with a head full of steam, especially on jet sweeps, uh, little tap passes, uh, and those are really really good. And I think you're gonna see that a lot in the NFL in the future. Uh, where where you'll get uh, about a five wide receiver formation with one of those wide receivers being a running back, then that running back go on go in a motion uh, across the across the quarterback's face, and uh, the whole play is going to be centered around whether they're going to give the ball to the running back or not. And if they do give it to the running back, they're pretty much just running a regular run play, except the. Um, Except the the running back is already running at full speed, so they, it's just going to help with blocking. It's going to help with getting 
getting the ball carriers in the right spot at the right time. And Kyle Shanahan, I think, is doing wonderfully. Uh, it was working until it unfortunately did not for the 49ers. Uh, one, once they were forced to, to use more inside zone runs, the interior defensive linemen of the, of the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been dominant against the inside run pretty much since week 10, uh, just ate them alive. And once once they were forced to do, to go to inside inside zone, I, I, a lot of the pillars of the Shanahan offense just kind of fell apart, which is unfortunate. Uh, also, the forty nine the forty niners I don't think ever fully committed to just passing the ball, and it's very unfortunate because uh, they had twenty one. 22 runs on the day and um, and 31 passes on the day. So you would think they were um, committing to the, to the pass more and more. Unfortunately, most of Jimmy Garoppolo's pass attempts came late in the game where they were unfortunately behind by two scores and they didn't really have a choice anymore other than to throw the ball. And just a lot of second half drives were were just killed. It, it was really unfortunate. Uh, the the chief the Chiefs defensive line and mo- most people have been ragging on the Chiefs defense for a while now. Even I, I this is this is the point where I admit I was wrong about the Kansas City Chiefs uh, when I came on the show last week and said that the the Chiefs defense would not be able to get it done. Uh that was that was foolish of me and I apologize. I um I should just say that the Chiefs defensive line played great in the Super Bowl. Uh let let's go to the, my next point here. I I just kind of have a lot of bulleted ideas on uh on what happened throughout this year's Super Bowl, uh, Mike or Kyle Shanahan. I'm sorry, I'm going to get that those two names uh, mixed up. Mike Shanahan was the great Broncos head coach uh, in the '90s and early 2000s, uh, as well as the Redskins head coach for a short while as well. And he's one of the legendary pillar head coaches of the game uh, in in the '90s and 2000s. He was a wonderful coach. His son, Kyle Shanahan, is the one who uh, just lost the Super Bowl this year, um, which is unfortunate because Kyle Shanahan is a great coach. Unfortunately, Kyle Shanahan could not make late-game adjustments to his game plan once the Kansas City Chiefs were actually adjusting to stop their, um, their dominant run game. He just they they just couldn't they they couldn't respond they could not respond in time. Now, when when Kansas City was committing to putting more uh, more bodies on the line of scrimmage to attempt to contain and to funnel all of the outside zone runs inside, once they started committing to that, Mike Shanahan never really came up with uh, an answer. There weren't there weren't any answers for him, and, it, and it's unfortunate. I think if Mike Shanahan just had some, just had better management skills in the late half or, or late in the fourth, I think we could be talking about talking about a completely different Super Bowl champion. Um, let's go with one more. Uh, the Niners' defense is great, by the way. <laughs> they they outside of the final drive, they played absolutely incredible. All of their linebackers were great in coverage. Uh, Fred Warner even got a even got a an interception, I believe. Uh, let me double check that. Yeah, it was Fred Warner. Uh, he got a really beautiful interception on Patrick Mahomes, and uh, he he's he's a linebacker for the 49ers, by the way. And he's just so fluid in coverage, and he's so fast, and it's incredible. 
I, I really do like Fred Warner a lot. Um, for the most part, uh, other than the coverage unit, which kind of fell apart at the end and, to be fair, is the weakest link on the San Francisco 49ers team, every, every other position group played very well. Except for Jimmy Garoppolo. And this is probably the saddest story um, I have to tell you guys here on uh, on Tuesday. Uh, I for, for everybody listening, it's going to be Wednesday. But poor, poor Jimmy Garoppolo, man. Um, it's very unfortunate. He, he folded in his biggest moment. Uh, he, I think I think the throw that will stand out in my mind was uh, it was late in the fourth quarter, and it was third and ten. Jimmy Garoppolo had Emmanuel Sanders, his wide, his best wide receiver in my opinion, wide open, uh, going deep down the field, deep down the middle of the field. He had a step on every defender there. Jimmy Garoppolo lets it rip. It goes all the way downfield, and he misses Emmanuel Sanders. That probably would have left him uh, inside the five, if not a touchdown, when they were down 20-24 to against the Chiefs. They were so close to bringing this game all the way back, but they simply could not. And Jimmy Garoppolo was simply disappointing. Um, I definitely expected him to do a little bit more. In my opinion, he just kind of did what he was expected to do. And um, it's it's unfortunate. Now, I don't think... I honestly think that the 49ers are not far away from going back to another Super Bowl. In my opinion, if you just retain... Um, if you just add an, a new piece or two into the coverage unit and you simply keep throwing darts at wide receiver or or um, or get some insurance on the offensive line for an aging Joe Staley, a uh, stalwart at, at left tackle, I honestly think if they just reload and, they, and Kyle Shanahan is simply able to make late-game adjustments, honestly, this team will probably win the Super Bowl next year because they are still an excellent team. They have great playmakers all throughout their defensive line and linebacking core. I'm excited to see where the Niners go from here. Uh, They deserve to make this year. Best of luck to them next year. And uh, let's move on to the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs are absolute. Were absolutely amazing uh, in the second half of this game. Patrick Mahomes is ultimately a cheat code. He is great. He turned it on to a different level midway through the fourth. He just began making play after play after play after play. And after all of these big plays... The 49ers defense just simply got tired. They could not handle it anymore. They were just broken down and could not continue. Despite playing well almost almost all of the night, they they I think I really do think they broke down on the final two drives. Kansas City scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. By the way. In case you're curious, one was a garbage time touchdown, but two were pretty much the 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 ones that uh, put Kansas City ahead. It was great, and it was all led by by Mahomes. He played great. He played absolutely outstanding. There is not a positive adjective sufficient enough to this, to fully describe how Patrick Mahomes 
played on Sunday night. Now, uh, this is, it is a team sport, and that, I think, is highlighted by the adjustments at halftime, as well as midway through the third quarter, by the Kansas City defense. It was, it was wonderful. Again, like I said before, they committed to stopping the outside zone run. And they did this by putting an extra by putting an extra linebacker, shifting the formation into a four three over or a four three under. Now what this means is that in a base in a base four three defense you have three linebackers and four defensive linemen. And in a four three over, you still have those same three three linebackers and four linemen. However, you put one of the linebackers on the edge at one um, at one of the, st- uh, the different sides of the defensive line. And depending on whether you put the linebacker on the strong side of the formation of the offensive formation or the de- or the weak side of the offensive formation, it's either called a 4-3 over or a 4-3 under. Now usually teams do this to either put more pressure on the opposing quarterback or to help stop the run, to help stop a run game. And the 49er and the Chiefs did this to perfection. They were able to put an extra, an extra linebacker on the edge to help contain the outside zone run from Mike Shanahan's offense. And when they were forced to cut back into the ear, when the running backs were supposed to cut back into the interior defensive line, they ran straight in to Chris Jones, Derek Noddy, uh, I think it's Saunders. Uh, let me double check. I think they do have a, a, a Saunders. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, we'll, we're for, we'll forget about it. Uh, but point is, when... When when the 49ers were forced to cut back in to the interior line, they got stuffed. Uh, They still managed to pull off uh, a couple of nice runs late in the fourth, but for the most part, they were simply not able to respond to the Kansas City to Kansas City's adjustments. And I really wanna I really wanna stress this adjustment from the Chiefs defensive line is the main reason they won. And it's beautiful. And I'm so happy that just a year prior, we were talking about how, uh, who was it? Was it Chris Jones or or D. Ford that, that jumped that was offsides against the Patriots in the championship game just last year and how the defense just blew it for Kansas City last year? This year... They helped save Kansas City, and uh, I forget who the I forget who the uh, defensive coordinator is at the moment. He's escaping. The name is escaping me. I'm very tired. But uh, whoever whoever it was, um, pardon, uh, uh, whoever the the defensive court. Actually, you know what? Let me just look it up. Let me just look it up. I have a computer right next to me. Give me a second. Can you tell him I'm really prepared, guys? Um, Chiefs defense coordinator. Yeah, it's Steve Spagnuolo. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo did a great job uh, with his group on on Sunday. And the, the the defensive adjustments that he was able to make uh, are truly astounding and I think deserve a round of applause and I think deserve recognition because they were wonderful. Uh, also, I'm re- I am really happy for Andy Reid, uh, head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. It, it's been a long time coming for him, hasn't it? Um, he was the former uh, Eagles Eagles head coach before he was unceremoniously fired. 
Um, and he made it to a Super Bowl, uh, and th- which was against the Patriots, actually, uh, back in 2005, I believe. And they just barely lost that game. And now, so many years later, after so many years of hardship and heartbreak with both of the Eagles and the Chiefs, Andy Reid has finally, finally won a Super Bowl. Uh, It's an incredible story. I'm really happy for Andy Reid. He's pretty much been working towards this for his entire career. And I think think you can especially see the the gratitude and joy he had for the situation uh, in the immediate you know, post-game interview with him when the confetti still f- was still flying down and uh, Patrick Mahomes was still in his pads and they were still on the field. He just... Andy Reid just had this wide grin on his face, this heartwarming grin that I couldn't help but smile at. It... It really feels like he he's worked his he's worked his butt off for this specific moment and he has finally achieved it. Uh it it's I think I think it's beautiful and I'm so happy that uh Andy Reid was able to get us her Super Bowl. Congratulations Andy Reid. Congra- congratulations um, Kansas City. All right, folks. This this segment has been going on long enough. Um, we're going to move into a completely different topic after this. I will be diving in into the XFL. That's right, uh, the brand new football league that Mr. Vince McMahon has revived from two thousand and one. Uh, does it have a chance? Who's playing in it? Uh, for what reason are they playing? Uh, is it is it going to be good football this time? I will tell you guys all of that in just a few minutes, guys. Thank you all so much for listening. I will be right back. We are back. Welcome back to the film room here. I am your host, Andrew Pearson, uh, here on the show that it aims to make us all more aware and more appreciative football fans. Uh, I promised I would talk about the XFL, and that is what I am here to do. Uh, I'm really excited about this brand new league. Uh, just for some background, uh, this this league is a brand new complementary league to the NFL. Uh, it's it's, just, it's its own thing. I, I know I just said complementary, but roll with me here, guys. Roll with me. Um, it is a brand new league started by WWE owner Vince McMahon. Uh, it is it is basically spring football for the next ten to twelve weeks or so. Uh, the first games are going to be played this weekend, so this is especially why I wanted to record this episode for y'all uh, this week and why I wanted to talk about the XFL this specific week uh, it, it, because it is week one. And I'm very excited for it. Uh, it it's um, what what's it called? Uh, it, it's bringing brand new rules to the game as well, uh, which I am very excited for. Um, as well as giving brand new opportunities to players who simply could not cut it in the NFL, and that's great. Um, let me tell you why I'm so excited about this league because. I know, I know. A lot of people uh, are not going to care about you know spring football or football that isn't from the NFL. But to be honest with you, I think this league has a lot of promise. So let me proceed to tell you why. First of all, the talent pool uh, in in this league I think is actually worthwhile and not complete garbage. For some background, uh, the XFL is a failed, um, is a formerly failed football league that was created in 2001, uh, also by WWE, former WWE, w, or WWF owner 
Vince McMahon, which is which by the way is now the WWE. He started his own football league in, in oh back way back in 01. Uh, and it failed miserably. The quality of football that was being played on the field was absolutely atrocious. Uh, basic, it was basically a bunch of guys off, you know, out of the local YMCA, needing thirty days to, or who were given a month to be become professional football players. And as you can imagine, uh, the the quality of the football being played was absolutely atrocious. And which is the main reason uh, why the league failed so hard initially. Uh, Even though it was marketed great, um, it it definitely played up, uh, you know, that it was supposedly harder football and, uh, you know, it was a real man's game and all this garbage, right? And uh, it, it, play, it played all that up, uh, did not live up to expectations, everybody was disappointed, uh, failed leak. It comes back, it announces its, its comeback last year uh, with owner Vince McMahon, who has promised to put in uh, over $500 million in investments over the next three years to make sure that this league succeeds and that its players are, play, are paid. And it's exciting. It's it really is exciting. Uh, you know, there was another uh, there was another league that was formed last year. Actually, uh, a lot of you might remember it. Some of you may not. It was called the Alliance of American Football, the AAF. And essentially, what it did was uh, create spring football once again. That and while the quality of football that was being played in the AAF was actually really cool and surprisingly high and a lot of the players that uh, starred in the AAF are now in the NFL it it unfortunately did not have the financial backing that was necessary and when and when they did finally find that financial backing from uh, a separate owner or, or a separate investor it was simply just incompetence from the head, the head people at the AAF who mishandled the money of so many players, and uh, the league unfortunately ended up folding uh, in like a month or two. It, it was pretty bad, even though uh, even though the quality of football that was being played was actually really high. Uh, it unfortunately. Uh, was just simply not meant to be by through financial um, due to financial problems. The the XFL, however, it has promised uh, the has promised the exact salaries for every player. It is it has solid salaries. It has um, it it's put together it, and. It's it's all ha- it all has the essential financial backing of its own owner, uh, Vince McMahon, and I'm really excited because if these football players can just be paid like they should, then I think this AAF or this XFL thing can go pretty far if it can just get on its feet, which is the hardest thing when um, you know creating your own uh, sports league. It's always about the financial backing, and in an industry that uh, has basically been batting, you know, zero for um, for external football leagues that aren't the NFL, and the utter dominance of the NFL in the football market in the USA, uh, almost every, uh, pretty much every other uh, external football league has failed. Compared to the NFL, however, I think the XFL has a real chance of, you know, keeping afloat. Once again, uh, I'll cite how the owner or the commissioner, well, not really commissioner, the the creator of the league, Mr. Vince McMahon, is putting over five hundred million t- 
towards players' salaries and just keeping the general league afloat, which is really exciting. It's something that the AAF did not have, and um, it's a step in the right direction, without a doubt. Now let's go into the actual football operations of the XFL. Uh, the commissioner of the league is actually Oliver Luck, uh, former former commissioner of NFL Europe, as well as um, a, an extremely high up important person in the current NC, uh, college football uh, NCAA organization. Uh, I, I think he works with. Um, I think he. I, I think he works with. Uh, personnel management, I think, is what I think is what Oliver Luck works in. But point is, he is a high quality hire as commissioner of the XFL. He is a guy who knows what he's doing. He is somebody who has had experience in the field before, and he's something that other former football leagues did not have, which is general competence. Uh, again, I'll cite experience um, and general, generally uh, being in this type of position for years and years and years and years. Oliver Luck is um, is going to be a good commissioner, and the fact that uh, Lee league owner uh, Vince McMahon uh, actually hired Oliver Luck, I think, is telling uh, that. The, the XFL is going for the quality of football first and spectacle later, which, I, in my opinion, is something great. Uh, honestly, no matter which football league you're, you're going from, uh, no, matter, no matter who creates a football league, if you're making a brand new football league I- in America then the quality of players that you are going to have in that league will always be of a lesser quality than those in the NFL. And that's just a fact. Because the NFL gets all of the best talent and all of the best coaches and all the best quality trainers. They they get everything. And rightfully so. They pretty much had a monopoly on the American football market since it's since its inception, so now that the XFL is coming along, they pretty much have to pick its scraps. However, the scraps that they are picking from are former NFL players, uh, players that almost made it to the NFL but were unable to, players out of college that never got a chance. It's exciting. And it's not it's not as if they're just picking guys up off the street. They're picking guys up who have a who are, you know, actually talented and will actually make for a good product. Uh, I think a huge example of this is the fact that they did not sign players such as Johnny Manziel or Trent Richardson or Tim Tebow. I think I think it's really telling and it's for one key reason in that they the the higher ups on each XFL team felt that their talent pool that they already had was better than these big names that you know people still care about for example uh Johnny Manziel is still a huge name people want to see play again and that's mostly because he sucked on the Cleveland Browns when he did get his chance in the NFL and ever since he got out of the NFL or was kicked out, he his career has been followed by the general public, especially when he traveled up to Canada and the Canadian Football League signed him and then released him. And then uh, the AAF a couple of months ago uh, decided to sign him uh, as well near the end of the year. Unfortunately, it did not work out in the AF for Johnny Manziel and when he was there and you know his one or two games that he was even present uh, he never really got on the field and never started and I don't I think he th- might have thrown like four passes or something the XFL believes it is better than Johnny Manziel and that is that's great because 
Johnny Manziel is not is a name brand that while yes it may get butts in the seats, it doesn't win you games. And the fact that the that the XFL wants to win games and wants to put on a good product rather than go with old name brands to get to get people to come shows how committed they are to making a good product. And that that is something that excites me about the XFL. Uh, let's uh, let's also go now that we've kind of transitioned into quality of play and players on the field and whatnot. Uh, let's actually go into the teams uh, in of the XFL. That is what I'm going to be talking about next in my next segment. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. I'm going to going to go ahead and take a short break. I really need to go to the bathroom and I want to drink some water. So I will be back in just. A moment. We're going to be talking about the XFL a little bit far further. Uh, I'm going to explain a little further why into why I think why I really do believe in the XFL and why I'm really excited for it. And um, I'll tell I'll tell you everything you need to know on where to catch it later this week uh, or this weekend. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I will be right back. All right, folks, we are back. Welcome back to the film room. I am your host, Andrew Pearson, of uh, the show that aims to make us all more aware and more appreciative football fans. Yeah, that 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 transition may stay the same for the for all for all time, or it could change every single time. I honestly, I honestly can't keep up anymore. But uh, welcome back. Uh, I was talking about. The brand new XFL, a brand new spring football league that is going to be a brand new professional football league uh, for our viewing pleasure. It is for the fans. It is going to be exciting. It is going to be uh, the highest quality football you can possibly get. This is going to be like better college football, except without the history between your favorite teams, uh, which is um, pretty much the main uh, down point for the XFL is, unfortunately, because these teams are brand new, you don't have any history with these teams. But now that I've mentioned the teams, let me get into which ones are available, what they are. There are eight teams um, in the XFL right now. And it's going to be wild it's going to be fun let me list off what they are um hold on this this thing is this thing is being pissy with me come on uh i'm trying i'm trying to pull everything up guys all right i've got them i got them it's all good <laughs> uh yeah my um uh, my web browser is not being kind to me at all right now I do have all eight teams for you guys. Let us go into the eight XFL teams. Uh, first up is the DC Defenders. They are based in Washington, DC. Uh, I'll go over which specific players um, all the teams have and uh, what players to look for. Uh, because you you might hear some uh, familiar names uh, on these rosters. Uh, and, you know... That that little that little back part of your football brain might get a little tickle, might get a little excited, might get a little. Um, I can't say that on the air. Uh, let's go into the next one. Uh, we have the Los Angeles Wildcats. Uh, they are orange and red. I like their I like their jerseys a lot, actually. Um, DC the DC Defenders, by the way, are, are red and white. Um, you have the Houston. Uh, you have the, the Houston Roughnecks as well, and they're pretty much uh, the the logo itself is knockoff Houston Oilers, but they are red. They're they're kind of they kind of look their jerseys kind of look like the Patriots, uh, if if that means anything to y'all. Uh, very nice, very clean jerseys. They're actually some of my favorites. Uh, then you have the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Vipers. They are the. Uh, Highlighter, highlighter green and um, olive green, all types of green. A little bit of orange in there. Uh, again, based in Tampa. Uh, very exciting. I think that's the only Florida team on um, in the XFL, which is cool. Which is cool. Uh, 
then you have the New York Guardians. They they kind of look like guard. It's like the the logos are very confusing on these because some of them you get you get the basic gist. Like I said, the Houston one is kind of like knockoff Houston Oilers, right? The L.A. Wildcats, though, is just an L.A., which is the most unoriginal L.A. Uh, logo you could possibly go with. Uh, and the D.C. Defenders is just like this shield with lightning bolts on it with stars. It's, it's, it's dumb. The Vipers are is literally just a V with fangs on the inside of the block letter V. So, you know, it gets to the point, right? I, the, the, the Tampa Bay, the, the, the New York Guardians, though, it's like, it's like this gray lion gargoyle kind of thing. It's weird, and it's... I don't know what to say, man. <laughs> this one's... This one... This one uh, is honestly the only one I don't like out of all eight teams because uh, it kind of looks off. But the jerseys are... The jerseys are all right. They're, like, gray and black. They're kind of cool. Uh, moving on, though, St. Louis is finally getting justice after the Rams abandoned them. Like, uh, can't say that on the air either. But St. Louis is finally getting justice and finally getting a team. Uh, what? What is their name again? I need to find the name. Uh, oh, geez. Pardon me, folks. I'm still... Um, they're the Battle Hawks. That's what they are. The Battle Hawks. And it's literally just a sword surrounded by wings. And uh, it, they're they're uh, kind of cool gray and blue. They're cool. They're all right. Uh, St. Louis finally has football back in the back in the city. Uh, finally getting retribution for the Rams. Uh, and let's go into the last two here. We have the Dallas Renegades because God forbid uh, Dallas football teams be anything original. Uh, always have to be outlaws or uh, always have to do some, something with the law because you got the Texas Rangers who, you know, uh, were pretty much just sheriffs and police uh, back in the Old West. Uh, that is an oversimplification, by the way. That is that is uh, a very, very oversimpl- oversimplified history of the Texas Rangers. They're actually pretty freaking cool. Uh, or the one, the historical Texas Rangers, the, the, the baseball team is perpetually disappointing me since I longer than I can remember. But you got the Rangers, right? Kind of the policeman. You got the Cowboys, which you know, are self-explanatory. And now you have the Renegades. It's just never, never original. They are also blue and red, which is also unoriginal. For the for the city of Dallas, however, to be to be fair, the logo is pretty cool. It's it's like this cool outlaw kind of guy with red eyes and a li- a nice light blue bandana and and cowboy hat, and the cowboy hat kind of has like this crescent um, opening on the front of the bill. It's cool. I like it, and that is a team I will be uh, pulling for. Uh, again, I am a. Uh, uh, I think I've said this on the show before, but I'm a Dallas native. Uh, I was born born in Dallas. Uh, I will always go for the Dallas team. All I will never betray my hometown. And uh, let's go Renegades. Um, and for the final team, and this is for the Pacific Northwest. I hope everybody here in the Northwest gets excited for this team. The Seattle Dragons are the final XFL team. I am really excited to bring that new that news to to y'all. Uh, I'm excited for the dragons. They're like this cool uh, green and orange. Um, it it's nice. Uh, they they have some nice jerseys, man. And the colors go to go so well together. I might just buy me a jersey uh, of the Seattle of the Seattle Dragons because they're cool. They're cool looking. They're they're this night the the jerseys for the dragons are like this. Navy blue with white and and green and orange highlights. It's it's nice. It's so cool. All right, that's a pretty much all I've got to say uh, on the teams. Let's go into the actual players themselves. Um, do I have time? Oh wait, no. This is my final. Uh, 
Sorry, guys. I, I'm just doing some formatting. But, yeah, let me tell you on uh, all of the notable players on each team. Uh, let's go through the quarterbacks right now, the quarterbacks of the XFL. Uh, let's go with pretty much the consensus top quarterback of the league, Mr. Card- Cardale Jones of the D.C. Defenders out of Ohio State. If you remember remember him from a couple of years ago, he pretty much came out of nowhere uh, due to quarterback injuries. I think it was to Braxton Miller, I believe, at Ohio State back in 2016, 2015. And he came back and won Ohio State a national championship. Turned out uh, the net the following year, he was at, he really was pretty good. And uh, he he was pretty much just a backup for for the San Diego Chargers for the past couple of years. He got an offer from the from the XFL and he took it. He is looking to be actually good, uh, be really entertaining to watch. Uh, last I remember from him, he had a pretty good arm and a decent processor. So I'm really excited to watch Cardell Jones. Now the next. Uh, now the next quarterback that I'm going to talk about is also on the DC Defenders, and I, and I'm not. I don't think he won out the job uh, at starting quarterback for for uh, Washington, but Tyree Jackson, who was going to be a rookie in this year's NFL, uh, he is out of Buffalo. I think he's only twenty some. He's like twenty one years old. He's really young, and he has. Last I remember from him. He had a cannon of an arm at Buffalo. He was really mobile. He was six seven. He was this huge dude. Every time he ran in your direction, he would smack you and run you over. It was great. And it was all at the quarterback position. The only problem with him was he was extremely inaccurate and he had a terrible throwing motion. If he just had just a slightly better mo- throwing motion, uh, he probably would have been the top would have been one of the top uh, quarterback prospects in last year's draft. I th- I I honestly believe if if um, Tyree Jackson just had a better throwing motion, he probably would have gone ahead of players like Drew Locke. I'm being completely serious. He's that physically talented, and the fact that the DC Defenders have two really talented quarterbacks in their their system is uh, is really exciting. And I think those two are, are going to push each other as the year goes on. I do believe Cardell Jones won out the starting job, but uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, now let's go to the Dallas team, da- the Dallas Renegades. Uh, Landry Jones will be their quarterback, uh, former backup uh, at it, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he was all right. He was all right with the Steelers. He uh, coming out of Oklahoma. He just simply uh, didn't really hold up in the NFL, which is unfortunate. I, I believe it was just mostly off uh, the fact that he was more used to uh, spread offenses. But now that he is with uh, head coach Bob Stoops, uh, by the way, Bob Stoops is head coaching the Dallas team, uh, former former head coach of Iowa State, I believe. And don't, don't quote me on that. That might be wrong. But uh, I'm excited for Landry Jones uh, as as uh, a Dallas Renegades fan. Um, I think I think Landry Jones is probably going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. He was, I believe, was the first quarterback signed from the NFL. Uh, if I do, if I'm recalling that right, and he I, he has the the most experience in the NFL, actually having a handful of starts. Uh, in the NFL and having a handful of appearances as a backup. Uh, let's go to the let's go to the New York team, and New York has this uh, really really interesting quarterback situation because they have a pretty much a three way three way um, header at quarterback. I'm going to start with uh, potentially the the least interesting. And that's Marquise Williams, uh, the dual threat kind of option quarterback for for New York. I'll be quite honest with you guys. I don't know much about him. All I know is that he's really good with the ball in his hands. 
in open space, and he can throw the ball a little bit. I'll be honest with you, that's all I really know. Uh, and he did not win the starting quarterback job. I know that for sure. But the next two guys are really interesting. I'm going to start with uh, the guy who's going to be starting, uh, starting for uh, New York this year, uh, and that is Matt McGloin for the New York Guardians. He is coming out of Penn, Penn State. If you remember a couple of years ago when the Raiders uh, finally bothered to show up in the playoffs, uh, I believe that was 2016 or 17. Uh, it was the year uh, Derek Carr broke his leg about a week or two before the playoffs started. And the guy who had to come in and replace uh, Derek Carr was Matt McGloin. And uh, I, if I do recall right, uh, he he did okay. He did just fine. And then he um, also got hurt for the playoffs, which pretty much cost the... Um, which cost the the Raiders any chance at going far in the playoffs. And that was, uh, I believe, the last time he was seen in action. Uh, Before that, you would have to go back to college, in which which case he was a three- or four-year starter at Penn State. He played for a long time. His job was never in in serious threat. I believe he was throwing to wide receiver Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears, so he had a, a really good weapon at Penn State, and uh, he he succeeded. He did really well in college, and uh, he, he seems poised to take this job for the New York Guardians. He has experience as a backup in the NFL, and I and I, I I'd like to see what he can do here in New York. Now, the most interesting quarterback for the New York Guardians is actually backup quarterback Luis Perez. Uh, now. As a Spanish person, I have no idea if this is Betis or just Perez. Uh, I'll roll with Perez because that's what everybody else calls him. But he was actually a starter for the Birmingham Iron of the failed AAF uh, way back last year. And what? And he is out of, uh, I believe, Texas A&M Commonwealth or, uh, you know, Los Angeles A&M Commonwealth. It's something like that. Uh, I believe it, I believe it is Texas A and M Commonwealth or some or Commerce Commerce I think is what it is, but point is he dominated in Division two football or Division two Division two college football, and because he was so dominant at that level, he was able to get a shot as an undrafted free agent for the Los Angeles Rams uh, back in twenty seventeen or eighteen, and Sean McVay was impressed enough of Luis Perez's work ethic that he actually kept him on for a certain amount of time on the practice squad until he was finally cut. Then uh, the the AAF came in uh, later that year and offered uh, Luis Perez uh, a spot on the Birmingham team. And so he took it, and when he started in, in, in Birmingham, he played great. He was absolutely on fire. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, near the end of the AF, however, he was starting to cool down. He wasn't playing as sharp. He wasn't playing as good, uh, which is unfortunate. But uh, but Luis Perez, I promise you, he is a name to look out for. He has a wonderful work ethic. He uh, has proven that he can take one of these um, lower lower echelon teams and lead them to victory. Uh, he proved it at, at Birmingham, and he proved it at Texas A&M Commerce or Commonwealth or something Commonwealth, uh, something Division II, uh, local YMCA. Who knows? I, I forget. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Texas A&M Commonwealth. I think, I think that's what it is. Uh, but whatever. Whatever. We're good. <laughs> um, that's pretty much all I have to say. Look out for him. Uh, keep 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 eyes on him in case Matt McGloin does crap because Luis Perez, I promise you, once he gets a, a shot at a starting job in this league, I really do think he's going to flourish. Let's go to the Houston. Let's go to the Houston quarterbacks. Uh, you pretty much have two guys to talk about: Connor Cook and P.J. Walker or Philip Walker, uh, depending on what you call him. Um, 
I'm going to start with Connor Cook. I do believe he won, um, I think he was the first quarterback drafted into the XFL. And he is the, I believe he's the starter uh, for Houston. And he, uh, funnily enough, had to come in for Matt McGloin back when the Raiders made the playoffs. He was a rookie that year. And uh, Connor Cook did, you know, crap. He was not good uh, with the Raiders. Uh, The Raiders ended up not keeping him once John Gruden came in and uh, evaluated talent. Uh, Unfortunately for Connor Cook, he was replaced uh, as, you know, the practice squad third stringer um, by, I think it was Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman, the legend, the god, the meme himself. The running joke, Mr. I have more interceptions than anyone. He was replaced by that guy, which uh, I guess is is quite telling. But uh, last time Connor Cook was seen uh, as a full-time starter was at Michigan State, where he went to college. And uh, he was a a decent mid-round quarterback prospect. Um, I honestly don't remember much about him. Uh, but let's see. Let's see how he how he does in Houston. Uh, I'm excited to see him start. P.J. Walker, however, or Philip Walker, is one I am really excited to see uh, how he is implemented into the XFL. He was um, he was a read option quarterback at the University of Temple, and he first of all he's really really fast. That that's what I remember about him. He he was he was kind of a quick twitch. Fast to get going, good on the run. Uh, other than that, I don't remember uh, much about him as you know a general quarterback. Uh, I think I think he did well. Uh, I think he had decent accuracy and uh, sort of an average to below average NFL arm, which was enough to get him onto the Indianapolis Colts before he was cut. And uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, I really I always like seeing mobile quarterbacks. Uh, actually uh, getting a chance to uh, start play in in football it, it's always what I, it's always what I'm um, excited to see and uh, I want to see how PJ Walker shakes out now I have wasted so much time talking about those guys that I'm gonna kind of have to go on a speed around here uh, let's talk about uh, I, I really have nothing to say about any of the Tampa Bay Viper quarterbacks. Uh, they are going to have the the weakest quarterback room in the league, which um, is is saying something. It is definitely saying something. Uh, good luck to the Vipers. I don't know any of these guys. Uh, by the way, the three quarterbacks they have are Cornelius Taylor, uh, Chase Littleton, and Quentin Flowers. Oh wait, no! They have Aaron Murray. I'm dumb. Of course, never mind. I'm sorry, folks. What I just said is a complete lie. They have Aaron Murray out of Georgia. He played for the um, Atlanta team in the AAF and was actually not bad. Uh, he he's kind of a hometown hero in the state of Georgia. Uh, he showed some really nice arm talent. He showed. Uh, a basic processor uh, could definitely be improved. The accuracy wasn't all there. Uh, I, I I know I just talked about his arm. His arm was good, not great, and kind of uh, kind of slowed through his progressions. But that'll get you one of the top spots at quarterback in the XFL. So keep an eye on Aaron on Aaron Murray with the Tampa Bay Vi- Tampa Bay Vipers. I'm sorry, guys. English is hard. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about the Vipers room. Uh, let's talk about the St. Louis Battlehawks. They actually had a really interesting quarterback battle. Apparently, Jordan Ta'amu, out of Ole Miss, ended up winning the job, which is very, very odd. Because, if you don't know, Jordan Ta'amu was the uh, college qu- college quarterback to Tennessee wide receiver A.J. Brown and Tennessee and uh, Seattle wide receiver D.K. Metcalf, both high-profile number one type receivers in the NFL. They were both elite prospects. 
Jordan Ta'amu made them both look bad. And that's what worries me. And that's what surprises me on the fact that he was just recently named the starter. Uh, unless my sources are wrong. But from what from what I, re- from what I read, uh, Jordan Ta'amu will start. Which is either a good sign in which that he is in which he has grown and uh, actually improved as a quarterback, or really telling that the St. Louis Battlehawks quarterback room is completely screwed. Uh, all I have to say about Jordan Taramu is he's really slow on his reads. He didn't properly utilize uh, his weapons. He made them almost look bad. He, I, I honestly think. If Jordan Ta'amu was a better quarterback, DK Metcalf would have gone top five in the NFL draft this year. I really do think that. That that is how how much of a drop off uh, DK Metcalf got because of his quarterback. And um, let, let's 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 move on. Uh, that, that's pretty much the only uh, battle hawk I have to talk about. Uh, the other two names behind the other three names behind him are Nick Fitzgerald, also a rookie, uh, who also would have been a rookie last year, out of um, out of what's it called Mississippi State, actually played against Jordan Tamu in the SEC. Uh, he wasn't that good either. You have Taylor Heineke, a former backup of the uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, he was released in favor of Kyle Allen and Will Greer this year who were uh, both, you know, not so good for the Panthers. And uh, I, I don't know. I was never a believer in, Ty- in Taylor Heineke. And Brogan Roback, also for the Battle Hawks. Nothing to say. Uh, let's go to the Seattle Dragons. Your starter here in the Pacific Northwest for the XFL will be Brandon Silver's uh, former quarterback in the AAF, I believe he played for the Memphis Express. Uh, he know, he got a couple of chances late in, in the AAF's run, uh, and it was actually pretty exciting. Uh, he played better than most of the Express quarterbacks, except for the the god himself. Um, oh no, Zach Mettenberger. Yes, it was Zach Mettenberger for the. Uh, for the Memphis Express and the AAF, who was actually playing very well, he got hurt, so Brandon Silver stepped in, and he actually played pretty well. Uh, Silver showed decent accuracy, uh, a decent arm, uh, a fine processor, and he, he generally was either elevating the offense or keeping it afloat, which is really good in, uh, in, this, in the XFL. Uh, I'm really proud that Brandon Silver's actually got on. Uh, he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the XFL. Uh, I think the I think the Dragons got a good one in Silver's. Uh, now let's go to the final team, the LA Wildcats, and this is what we're going to end the program on today. Uh, the LA Wildcats' starter will be Josh Johnson. Um, he is a journeyman quarterback uh, from the from the NFL. He's played on a handful uh, of teams. He's pretty much been a consistent backup for his entire career. Uh, he was last seen playing for the Washington Redskins last year. Uh, not this year, but last year. And he actually played pretty decent. Um, nothing outstanding, but already will be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Uh, he has a fine processor. Uh, I believe he's kind of a, a weaker armed quarterback, but other than that, uh, you know, he's he's all right. He's all right for NFL standards, at least. He, he's all right, and uh, I'm gonna be. I'm excited to see how he works uh, in the LA Wildcat system. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see him go to work and succeed. Um, let's see here. Uh, that is that is pretty much all of the notable quarterbacks. Uh, one final, um, uh, da, 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 da. there's a whole bunch of more uh, notable position players um, at other positions, but 
unfortunately, that is where I'm going to have to end today's program. Uh, when we get back next week, it's pretty much I plan on having one uh, NFL draft analysis. I'm going to be choosing a brand new uh, college prospect that is going into the NFL draft, and I'm going to determine whether he is good or not. And then uh, after that, it's pretty much all going to be about NFL offseason and XFL stuff. Uh, I'm sorry I'm kind of cutting this um, cutting this episode short, but I'm kind of short on time. Uh, so I hope you all can forgive me on that. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, again, I am your host, Andrew Pearson. This has been The Film Room. Uh, I'm going to leave you guys off on one of my uh, favorite songs. Uh, let's see here. What do I want to do? I think I'll play Daryl Lee Rush for you guys. Uh, he is kind of a middle-of-nowhere Texas artist, country artist. Uh, me, personally, I am a huge country fan. And the fact that I could find this guy on, on this computer and program him uh, into the show is really exciting. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy that song. And I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Thank you all so much for listening. If you could give this show a listen on Spotify or uh, Stitcher or Transistor or whatever, uh, that would be much appreciated. Thank you all so so much. I love each and every one of you. Have a wonderful day, folks. (laughs) 